You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. On the spot here to start this episode here. And by the way, we should acknowledge we are recording this kind of middle of the day on Friday. We know there is a huge game tonight against the Lakers. So you might be listening to this after the Lakers Timberwolves play. Um, so we're going to keep this more evergreen and topical hopefully it carries over because Nas Reed is the big news of of the day here today so if you missed it Nas Reed wound up broke uh, he he broke his wrist on what was a non-flagrant foul I will add <laughs> there was there's no reason to review at all with nothing to see here right uh, he played even after but but he broke his wrist he's going to be out for a significant amount of time my question to you is putting you on the spot here Kyle where does Nas Reed breaking his wrist on the eve of this five-game, six-game stretch run and play in playoffs, where does this rank among classic Timberwolves follies? Just like classic, a classic Wolves thing. One of your best, most inspirational players is just out for an indefinite period of time going into this huge stretch of games. It's definitely up there. Uh, I... Wore all black to this podcast today. Nas didn't die, by the way, but like it felt kind of, like he kind of died. Feels like, kind of feels that, like uh, that tweet last night. I mean, again, there wasn't a ton of reporting after the Wednesday game on Nas simply because, and maybe we'll get into this, um, there were other bigger topics being addressed in that locker room, uh, like officiating. So, and Nas said he was okay. I mean, he, had, he kept playing. He shot free throws. It was his left hand, obviously, so not his shooting hand, but... uh. <sighs> I've just watched Nas Reed play every game for the Timberwolves, as many listeners have as well. And I've seen, I mean, I just, he's made of rubber. I've just always seen him kind of fall down, hold on to something, and then get back up. Um, so it was tough to find out that he actually broke his wrist. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he'll, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be fine. It's not a lower body injury. It's not something that, like, is going to hurt his ability to get paid this summer. Um, and in the rotation, Again, I am very much down the path of just coping now, but like, I don't know if you had to think of someone in the rotation that you could afford to lose. Again, I wish I wish Nas Reed had six healthy wrists, but like, if you had to find someone, it's probably like him or Torian Prince would be like. You got you, yeah, you've depth, you can make obviously. it work. You know, Mike, like not, Mike Conley, you're screwed. I get I get it. Anthony it still Edwards, sucks. yeah. But I mean, yeah, Ant, Carl, you know, Jaden, for God's sakes, um, you can find if Nas is out. Uh, you're going to be able to just play more Kyle Anderson. Um, and it's, But it is. It's really, really sad because I've said it on multiple platforms that his development story is the single great, greatest development story um, in Timberwolves franchise history. There's not a lot of them. Um, but uh, I, remember, I remember being in a locker room once when he was talking about someone asked him an undrafted you know, uh, free agent question about his getting into the league. And he just talked about how much he loves playing basketball. And when you're undrafted, uh, it's kind of like being a walk-on in college. Yeah. Like you're, you're on the team, but like you're also the first one when could get cut. So he loves playing basketball, and he was up against 
having the ability to do so a couple of years ago. And for him to just get better every day and to become kind of the energy guy, the Bobby Portis of this team is a bummer. Yeah. But uh, if, if, if there's any positive whatsoever, and it's kind of morbid, but like he was balling on like national TV games every night to the point where like other national pods were like, have you seen this Nas Reed guy? So maybe if nothing else, you put Nas back in the garage. He's not going to be on a playoff, you know, on TV and stuff. Like, maybe this will help the Wolves be able to re-sign him this summer because people just aren't going to think about Nas Reed for a couple months. And maybe that'll lower I love your I love your coping mechanisms right now. You're like, it's really not that bad because, you know, they have a couple other big men. And maybe now they can get him for like $3 million (laughs) less per year because... Because, no, he could still come. Is it possible that he could come back for, like, the second round of the playoffs if they beat the Kings or you know, whoever yeah, they would? I, I've tried it's to his like, non-shooting arm. You know, he's a tough guy. I've tried to look this up. Get him up, one like, of those clubs that, like, football <laughs> players wear. You know, just put it. Can he just get out there with a giant cast and just, you know, thwap guys upside the head? Nas with one arm is still, like, the third best dribbler on this team. <laughs> so, yeah, just club him up. Um, but, you know, I mean. He, he's going to get. Who do you paid. trust to catch a pass on the paint more, Nas with a cast on his left arm, or Rudy Gobert with two free hands? Listen, I love Rudy now. Uh, I'm a Rudy guy, <laughs> but I think if you gave, if you have Nas had one arm in a sling and his other arm was given to Rudy, I would still trust Nas to catch the ball before yeah. Rudy, even if Rudy had three arms. So, <laughs> no, this is a bummer. Nas has done enough. He is going to get paid this summer. How much remains to be seen? Again, like. If you're the Wolves, we I talked about this with Dane Moore the other day. Like they can afford to resign him, you know, then figure out the tax bill a year from now, whatever. But he's gonna get, you know, four forty, four forty eight, whatever. Um, but if this injury keeps him in the garage a little bit and allows the Wolves to have a one percent chance better, you know, to resign him this summer, then that's uh that's that's the risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, it's uh what a, I've been what working a, on that one. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, God, you I'm just... sorry. It's Friday, and it's like I'm, my brain is so I'm so nervous about this Lakers game. Like I know we're gonna not talk about it until next week, but oh my God, that's what okay. I'll, I'll give you a break. <laughs> ah, let's go. Let's okay, go. so I agree with you on the development story. Undrafted, and he just I remember that first summer league. Right, it was it was mm-hmm. the first he was undrafted, and he just kind of shows up. And who's this guy? Just this Energizer Bunny grabbing every rebound and every putback, and then he comes in and he winds up developing a three-point shot, you know, per 36 minutes this year. So he's averaging a career high. Actually, sorry, he actually played more minutes per game two years ago. He's only playing 18 minutes a game, but sometimes you'll you'll get, like, the full Nas experience for 28 or 30 minutes. His per 36 numbers this year are insane for a guy that's a role player, right? Uh, 23 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, a steal and a half, shooting league average from three, uh, and one of the best effective field goal percentages uh, on the team because he's been a 70% free throw shooter. So yeah, you got to find a way to keep him. I, I think I agree with you, though, that like from a, from a value standpoint, this probably doesn't hurt the Timberwolves in the long run if he can, instead of making like $18 million a year because he balled out in the first round of the playoffs or yep. something... But that's that's the morbid coping path. Yeah, hundred percent. The more realistic path is this definitely damages their chances to win games down the stretch in the regular season. It damages their chances in a playoff series because you know for all the fear mongering about what are you going to do with all these tall players once you get into a small ball situation? Well, the Wolves have kind of said you know small sample size since Cat came back. What three games of Cat being on the court? But they've leaned into their size. It's mm-hmm. been a helpful thing for them. 
especially against the Hawks um, in that first game back and then against the Warriors. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward here. And that's my next question for you, which is, okay, do you do you stick with trying to play size and replace his minutes with Nate Knight? Or let's stick on the big man side because then okay. we can get to the small ball thing. If you're looking to replace Nas with more big man minutes, do you give Nate Knight more playing time and or do you activate Luca Garza for the regular season down the stretch here and or because you can't put two-way contract guys on playoff rosters, do you give Luca uh, Luca Garza a real actual contract, wave somebody, we could debate who that would be, and and make it the Luca Garza show for 20 minutes each night and and give him Nas's minutes? Yeah, that was, that's a really great question. I haven't, again, I've just been coping and being really sad and hiding out in the dark these last, like, 12 or 14 hours. Uh, I haven't really thought about moving forward. I mean, short-term moving forward, I always have thought that the, they were going to run into a rotation pinch in the playoffs. I just don't think Finch was going to play 10 guys. So even if Nas had six healthy risks, he might only get eight minutes in certain playoff matchups. Um I mean, we got to remember, we were a week ago, we we're like, is Nas going to get DNPs? And then he just so, like, led the team in scoring for three games or whatever. Um, I just think as Carl gets works his way back into shape, you're just going to go back to that Rudy or Carl is always out there type thing. And small and then, ball, small yeah, ball. Yeah, and go him. back. I mean, again, it, it does suck because we've spent this last week being excited about size matters and kind of embracing this identity. And, you know, we watched Nas chase Kevin Herter around screens uh, in that Kings game. That was when Nas was like, I can actually play power forward, that was a massive thing. Well, now he's out. So you just backfill with more Kyle Anderson minutes, which I think is yeah. nice because it gives you, I mean, you're, you're going to run into a situation where I, we've been saying this for a couple weeks, like Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels, Conte Towns, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, all six of those guys should close games, but you can't. So, and that's not including Nas. So yeah, you just play Kyle with Rudy more, maybe play TP at the four. If he, when he gets back from this illness alongside Carl, uh, it's a blow, but I mean, I, Nate Knight, no. I, and I think Nate's a good young player and has a chance in this league. Luca Garza, maybe for some of these upcoming games where like you're playing, you know, the Blazers, who it's yeah. like me and four other G League guys, um, just to get some buckets to keep Carl and Rudy a little fresher. But I think you just got to kind of go with the rest of the guys you really trust. And he's Finch isn't going to you know break glass and put Nate Knight in. That's just not a guy he really trusts right now. So yep, same with, with Garza. I maybe against these bad teams, but not in the playoffs, I don't think. I'm with you. Unless you know unless like you know if there's the illness is still running rampant throughout the locker room or yeah. something. It's like we have to play Luca Garza and he shows out against the Lakers or somebody. Um I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think they fill it with with more small ball type minutes. The problem is like you know, you say you, you backfill with more Kyle Anderson minutes. That's the crazy thing. Like, where are they getting all these minutes? So Kyle Anderson, even with the logjam of Nas Reed playing and in the game's casting back, Kyle Anderson has played, he played 36 minutes in the Hawks game, 32 minutes in the Warriors game, uh, and then Cat sat the Sacramento game and he played 36 minutes again. And then against Phoenix, he played 30 minutes. So you're still, it's not like you're going to go from, okay, 25 minutes of Kyle Anderson Let's turn that into 34 minutes. You're already playing Kyle Anderson like 30 to 35 minutes. So it's probably going to fall on, you know, you know Torian Prince is going to get, instead of whatever, 24 minutes, might get 28, 29 minutes. Okay, I know this isn't going to happen, but I would be curious to see Josh Minot get five what? minutes here and there. I just want to see Listen, Energizer Bunny. It's probably not going to happen. Is you're it? preaching to the choir. I don't know exactly how much snow you have on the ground out there, but if there's... 
any space for grass. I think it's time to actually start start the lawnmower up. But uh, yeah, it, it's tough. And the, to, to back to Garza, like Nas was getting these minutes despite everyone being like, "There's no way he's going to play once Carl comes back," myself included, because Nas showed you he could play a different position. He could be yeah. a power forward and make Carl and Rudy, you know, comfortable in their natural center position. Luca Garza is just a center. He, he, he's not going to chase guys around screen stuff. He's a really good player, maybe one yep. of the best G League players of all time, but that's why it's just, yeah, they played eight and a half guys, essentially, against the Suns the other day because Nikhil played five minutes, um, yeah. and now you're just probably going to play seven and a half guys and just move the minutes around. But I'm with you. Depending on what happens against the Lakers, I mean, I really, really think like that Blazers game on Sunday is an exhibition, um, even for a franchise like the Wolves, who take all these games not seriously. I would love to just, like, can we get Josh Minot five minutes in a semi-meaningful game just to see if he's, like, an emergency option? Because Nas was your backup Carl, backup Rudy. If, like, Carl goes out for a game in the playoffs, if they make it that far, Rudy, like, then what? (laughs) Then what are your options, right? So just having another guy that can protect the rim, guard the perimeter. um, Josh Minot's raw as hell, but... He just gives you stuff that Nas kind of gave you, and the number yeah. one thing is energy. And I love energy, guys. So yeah, sometimes that's the thing. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he's like the solution that's going <laughs> to carry you. Or and I, and I agree with you. You know, if you were, let's say you were to lean on more Luca minutes, obviously you could never put Luca and Gobert on the court early at the same time. So you'd have to be like Cat moving to the four, and Luca Garza playing the five. Like you'd have to, you'd have to shuffle it differently than you would with with Nas Reed. Um, but I'm, I think you and I are on the same page and that you just kind of, all right, well, uh, okay. Jaden and Kyle and Torian, you guys are just gonna, and, and, and maybe if, if the minutes kind of trickle around, like maybe Anthony Edwards is going to play two extra minutes in certain situations when you need the offensive boost. Cause that's the other thing too. You could, if cats on the bench and there's very few times where cat and ant are both on the bench, but like if they're both on the bench. Okay, who's the third scorer? Nas mm-hmm. Reed is capable of just like carrying the offense for five minutes in the third quarter, fourth quarter, right? Oh, and the beauty of what Nas did over this last week is like, hey, Carl has come back. He's hit two game winners, but he's not himself. Um, Ant hasn't really been himself since he either sprained his ankle and or got sick. And that, you know, I don't know, man, the diarrhea in the desert that went through everyone these last couple of days has been tough. But uh, <laughs> you just need your best players to perform. I mean, Nas was a great Band-Aid. Um, over this last week, giving them a bunch of points, helping them win important games. But yeah, it's listen, man, you're going to win the playoff series because Ant's a superstar or an all-star, right? You're going to win it because Carl's an all-NBA guy. Um, it's nice to have good bench players, but Nas did his job. We salute Nas. We hope he rests that wrist. He's going to get paid. But now you just got to kind of turn inwards and be like, again, who else can we rely on? And yeah. I think you said it really well. Ant, you got to play two more minutes and you got to score six more points. Jaden, you got to play every minute you can without falling out. And you got to give us more of those 15 point games and not the six point games like against Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time. It's been uh, several months since we've done this. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to turn this podcast in a, in a sharp different direction here. It's been, I think four months since our last Timberwolves leadership power rankings. Ooh. And we had a great discussion on Mackie and Judd earlier this week about the Mike Conley impact mm-hmm. and how, it just kind of feels like very rarely do you look and say Mike Conley was the reason why in the box score or whatever uh, that they won a game, right? Like D'Angelo Russell, there's a bunch of games, the Clippers playing game last year, he'd say, boy, he just kind of took over offensively in the fourth quarter, and that's one of the benefits of D'Angelo Russell. I think Mike Conley has added some incredible hidden value behind the scenes on the court to this team, 
And and uh, Judd brought up a good point that I want to bring up to you here, which is if Kyle Anderson and maybe Tori and Prince too, but let's say Kyle Anderson was kind of the the de facto leader from like December, January into into February, and then you wind up making the trade for Mike Conley. It's one thing when you have Kyle Anderson preaching things on the court behind the scenes. It's another thing when you bring in Mike Conley, and now they're both preaching the same things, which is stop being selfish, give yourself up for the team, here's what you need to do on the road, sleep, nutrition, everything, right? Uh, and here, here's the way we need to play as a team. It feels like another adult in the room has been a huge reason why this team has gone from being kind of a soft shoulder shrug team to being one of the more hard-nosed, tough beats in the NBA the last couple weeks. And that Suns game, I know they lost it, and the officiating was, I think, a huge black eye on the league. It was just a terribly officiated game, and that's coming from the guy here who hates being the rip-on officiating guy. But despite all of that and not making shots, they were just like right in that game at the end with a chance to win it, right? And I just don't know that the Timberwolves are that mentally tough four months ago three months ago. So I guess we'll get to our leadership power rankings, but the fact that you have more adults in the room that are taking over the culture of this team has been a huge reason why the identity has sort of shifted the way that it has, I think. This is kind of a random stat, but my favorite stat over these last three games, Warriors, uh, Kings, and now Suns, they went, obviously the Wolves went two and one. The largest deficit that they faced in those three games was eight points. The Suns had an eight-point lead at some point. Uh, I, don't, I think they won by seven. But uh, I know it's a random step, but to me that shows you that like they're just never out of it. And it just backs up everything you just said. That, like They just have a bunch of adults and maturity that now they take every possession seriously. In, in 2023, with the way teams shoot the ball, I know it's three games, but that's kind of crazy that like a team didn't just go on a 12-0 run. And like you're down 12 in the second quarter, right? Like... First half leads don't really mean much, but I think, again, it has no shade on D'Lo. I think Conley just fits this all better. I mean, D'Lo's been playing great. He's been, like, a plus-minus star for the Lakers when he plays. But Mike Conley just makes every possession important, and it's, it's odd, but just kind of picking these random tea leaves. I, I talked about how he was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, and he had this quote about how, at this point, no matter what you do in a stat statistical yeah. category, it's not going to change your averages. We're just we're too deep into the numbers now where it's like you go drop 40, you're still going to average the same amount of points. Chris Finch said that same exact thing the night that he had his 100th win right before the game, the game ball. He's like, hey, nothing we do individually will matter now. It's all about the team. So I'm, I'm very, very much with you. I'm glad we're doing this update because I, I have someone I want to include that I don't think you might have thought of. But this is just a really really well-run basketball team over this last week. I understand it could all fall out tonight or next week, but we get to see a really mature basketball team for a week, and that's really cool because I love basketball, yeah. and I love you know efficiency and, and making plays and you know closing games down the stretch with defense. And as sad as that Suns loss was, I mean, that's, that Kings win and those Warriors wins were really, really cool, and I just don't think it happens without Mike. It almost just – I mean, it really it, it feels like you got Conley and Kyle Anderson who have kind of banded together now – with 130 combined playoff games under their belt, right? Yep. And yep. Rudy also has like, I don't know, 50, 60, whatever, you know, a ton of playoff games too. But Rudy's just, he's a little bit more aloof. I don't think he's the greatest communicator always. And I don't know that he's looked at as the leader, right? I think he's, even Mike Conley kind of said, yeah, Rudy will say things and his tone can be off. And you just have to kind of learn how to communicate with Rudy uh, the way that he go goes about business. 
But when you've got Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley with 130 career postseason games under their belts, playing in Western Conference Finals with the San Antonio Spurs, if you're Kyle Anderson, and Mike Conley going through all those wars in the first, second, I think he might have gone to one Conference Finals. But that matters, man. When those guys speak, and this is all due respect, like D'Lo, good, solid player, zero postseason credibility at all whatsoever. In the limited games he's played, outside of the Clippers playing game, which that was nice, nice job. But in the actual playoff games, his performance drops off a cliff and his teams have gotten beaten both series, right? So just swapping that out and bringing, you're, you're swapping a guy out that was actively mocking Rudy Gobert to his teammates, right? And you're bringing in a guy that is preaching togetherness and team and has, you know, 70 career playoff games under his belt. What a crazy shift in culture that you just injected into this team, you know, with a third of the season left. We just need to stop this thinking where if you like one thing, that it means that you hate the other, right? Like you and I have been the loudest voices on this. It's just, they just fit better with Mike Conley. If tonight before the game, I was like, hey, Phil, do you want to go get pizza or tacos? And you're like, tacos. I, I, wouldn't, I shouldn't freak out and be like, what do you have against Italians? Like, why don't you like pizza? You know what I mean? It's just like, you just wanted tacos. The Wolves just wanted Mike Conley. And it fits better for them. D'Angelo Russell has fit really well for the Lakers. So it's a win-win. But yeah, to your point, it's just really nice for what the rest of the ingredients are on this. A young aunt, a young Jaden, you know, a still young Carl. Even Rudy Gobert might be emotionally younger um, to just have two dudes that are very much in your rotation, Kyle and Mike, that are an extension of the coaching staff, uh, have been there before. I mean, Kyle Anderson has played before Minnesota, like two of the smartest franchises in the world, like the Spurs and the Grizzlies, who are a really good franchise. So they get it, and it kind of does. It trickles down to all the other guys. I've, despite, we're not going to talk about officiating, I know, but like, despite the officiating these last couple weeks, I do think the Wolves have been really mature in how they've handled a lot more of these situations. Obviously, Rudy goes off nuclear after the Suns game, but in the game, I thought they've done a pretty good job of managing emotions, and that's, again, because of their leadership. Yeah. Um, So give me your rankings. Well, What's it, what are your, give me your top, your top five Timberwolves leadership power rankings. Okay, top five in no specific order from two through five, but I believe this is Kyle Anderson's team right now. He would be number one. Uh, I said this to Dane, but he reminds me now of like a dad at a birthday party who's playing all-time quarterback. Like He is just telling all the little kids where to go. Like, Ant, you go over here. Jaden, you go over here. Like Inbounds, whatever. He's, he's pretty vocal on the court and demonstrative sometimes. But they respect it and they love it. So I think Kyle uh, Anderson would be number one. Mike Conley probably number two. Yeah. Um, and then Rudy Gobert's in here. I actually kind of loved Rudy going nuclear. Again, I don't want to talk no, about fishing. No, let's, do, let's talk about it. We can talk about it. I, I thought his comments – I mean, he, he called the league corrupt, <laughs> which is a it, little... it was aggressive. He, he, he literally said – they have ways of doing it, right? They have they have ways they can rig games, is what he was insinuating, and said, "Of course, they want to see LeBron and Steph." Now he did mention the Kings in that sentence too. At yeah, one point, it's yeah. like I don't know the, you know the league hasn't been colluding and conspiring to get the Kings back in the playoffs since you know first time since two thousand six. But yeah, it was and it was aggressive. I think it was a proper message coming from him though, because he's also the guy that you and I have pointed out multiple times is on the receiving end of just, like, a lot of cheap shots. I mean, I don't know. Like, every time Draymond Green was breathed on, they reviewed it for a flagrant in that Warriors game. Yeah. But then Rudy got, like, hit in the—he gets hit in the face all the time. I don't really get it. So I think it was cool that he was the one that said it. I mean, that 
second half of the Suns game, some I was texting someone who does stats for the league. He works for the Wolves, but he was like, it reminded me of if a, an umpire just changed the strike zone in the seventh inning. Like, that's a really good comp for the second half whistle was just different. Mm-hmm. I think they were fed up with it. Um, so back to the rankings, Rudy's in there. We never really had this guy in the top five of our leadership power rankings, and we've been critical of him. I've never loved Chris Finch more than I did after the Suns game. Because I oh, thought— Okay, we're putting Chris Finch in the leadership power rankings. I okay. thought—I've been saying for weeks now, months, that he needs to just get tossed in a game. Like, he should have gotten tossed in the Suns game. I've come to learn now that's just not his style, and maybe I'm wrong. Like Maybe that's not the way to do it. His post-game quotes, I know like Chris Hine was there, John Krasinski was there. He answered every question with basketball stuff to make you smarter and then beautifully pivoted into being the pettiest person in the room yeah. and taking shots at the league. And as a petty person myself, like I love that. So I thought he stood up for his team, maybe not in the game when you would have wanted him to throw a chair or something, but he was really, really stood up for his guys. And he basically said like, we played our asses off, and we deserved that win that game. But the free throw disparity was incredible. Devin Booker took more free throws than our whole team. Rudy gets punched in the face. Like, these guys are getting knocked all over the place. Nas Reed breaks his wrist. Like, it's just not an equal whistle. And he, the leadership part of it is he knew who his next opponent was. Yeah. The Lakers. Yeah. And he knows, I got to get this message out there now so that tonight it's going to be under a bigger microscope. Maybe it'll win them two more free throws, right? But you got Austin Reeves. And LeBron James coming to town, and those guys get a historic whistle. So Chris Finch is in my top five. And then I think I still rounded out with, like, I just think Torian Prince, what, what he means to this team when he's healthy, he's in there too. So it's no shade on Carl. You know, it's not no shade on the young guys like Ant and Jane. I just, my leadership power rankings are dominated by guys near their 30s or well into their 40s and 50s, however old Finchy is. Yeah, the, uh, the early 50s. I think he's like yeah. 52, Looks like he's like 38. Good for him. Which but, uh, looks pretty good. That, looks those West good. Coast trips, he, it seems like his hair gets fuller and fuller every time he comes back from the West Coast. Yeah. He also, he was a couple weeks ago when they were in Los Angeles. He did an in-studio appearance on uh, The Herd with Colin Cowherd. He was on Fox Sports 1 and everything. Finchy was looking good. Shout out to Finchy. I think you're right. I'm going Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley in order. Kyle Anderson okay. is the Kyle Anderson is the unquestioned leader of this team right now. Correct. Number two is Mike Conley. Number three is Torian Prince. I think they all love and respect mm-hmm. just how hard Torian Prince plays and how versatile he is. After that, you can kind of throw and and I didn't include coaches in here, but yeah, like okay, let's put Chris Finch in the five, and then I I think Anthony Edwards, man. Okay. Yeah. I think he's in the five. Yeah, I think his teammates respect him. I think they respect that he plays through injuries. He grinds. The, if you watch that dude play defense now, there's some times early in the season where maybe he's a little bit bored or something, but he is engaged on defense much more than he's ever been in his career. So uh, a leader by example, he's more vocal now than he was when he was a rookie. So, But but you're in good hands now because we, you know, six months ago it was, what do you do with Patrick Beverly being gone now? Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jared Vanderbilt wasn't necessarily a vocal leader, but just the things he did, diving for loose balls and whatnot. Now that it's emerged with Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, Torian Prince, that's a pretty good trio of guys that combines to play, you know, 80 minutes a night, 90 minutes a night. So credibility. And, and it sucks because I don't think he qualifies for the list anymore because he can't play. But uh, a sneaky submission into the top five would have been like a Nas Reed. Because, again, I think his competitiveness level, his ability, again, I think, I just think in sports, if you play through injuries, you you get respect from your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he's always done that. Nas Reed, to me, kind of reminds me of a 
if you've seen the movie Friday Night Lights, at mm-hmm. halftime when that one, I think he's like the defensive end, he just starts screaming, yeah. like, what's wrong with y'all? Uh, like, that's Nas Reed. I could see him just in the locker room one game, if they're down 12 to a bad team, like, losing his shit and just be like, what's, like, let's go, like, let's pick it up. So he can't be in the top five anymore, but he, he would have been another leader. But I guess what... Austin is- Rivers was number one at one point, on list, <laughs> by the way. I know, and then he, then he dropped a podcast. Um, usually that brings down your score, so... Yeah. He uh, and he just can't play. I mean, he. I think he's still a good teammate. It's just we've always said you can't really lead if you don't play. It's tough unless and, uh, uh, unless you're uh, what's his name, uh, Udonis Haslam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, unless you're like Haslam or something. Um, and even Beverly too. I mean, Patrick Beverly really brought another level to the Bulls, but that's because he's also playing big minutes alongside their guards. So, if nothing else, it's cool that we did the leadership power rankings all season because they have changed a lot. But it's also it's the it's the deepest right that's ever been at the top of this these power rankings. Yeah. You're going into the last five games, the last stretch of basketball, hopefully some postseason play with the most leadership this franchise has ever had or in in 20 years. So that should be something to feel good about, and you know should help when you lose a good rotation player like Nas. You can rely on okay. I bet you Torian Prince knows he has to hit a couple more threes now to make up for like you got guys like I got to step in for Nas yeah. because we lost a soldier. So. Um, yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, finishing uh, top five. Yeah, so there you go. Those are the updated leadership power rankings. Uh, I think Jay McDaniels, if he just went like on-court leaders, I think just the way that he goes about you know, his defensive assignment every night, kind of a quiet, a, a quiet, stoic leader by example. But one thing I found funny about Jaden McDaniels' performance against the Suns, um, he was largely guarding Kevin Durant, or at least for chunks of that game. <laughs> And the narrative coming out of the game was Kevin Durant, a little rusty, right? And yeah, of course, like you're going to be rusty when you've been on the sidelines and, and you're playing with a relatively new team. He's only played like a few games with the Suns, but boy, five for 18, man. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant really have, have to knock the rust off. You know what keeps you rusty? Jaden McDaniels following you around for about half your minutes in that game, but yep. still gets very little credit. He's nowhere near a household name and, uh, I think even like a lot of the national commentators are still just sort of like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, yep. oh, look, this random Jaden McDaniels guy. Nice play defensively, right? That was some basketball like porn sicko stuff uh, because you wouldn't have seen like I don't think Jaden had you know seven block. He didn't have a steal or a block in that game. That's this is next level. He made Kevin Durant's life so miserable. Even at one point, Kevin Durant like it was caught on the during the game. Like, Monty Williams was telling him to keep his head up. Because I think yeah. at that point, Kevin Durant was one for eight from the field. Like, Jaden, you, you, the best players in the league cannot be stopped. That is what kind of makes the NBA so cool. Uh, and Kevin Durant is one of the best players now and of all time. Um, but what you can do is slow him down. And Jaden McDaniels slowed that man. He contested every shot. He was so physical. Uh, it was just really impressive to watch. And they need him to play now as many minutes as possible with these next couple games because he has to, you know, you, when you lose a guy like Nas, who was not the best defender by any means, but was just doing other stuff, you know, being in passing lanes and stuff, you just need Jaden to really lock that one guy down so your other four guys can kind of focus on a on a team yep. defense concept. Yep. So I think we should shut up now because, uh, you know, we're, we're running this up against the Lakers-Wolves game, so we'll get this podcast out. And then I think you and I'll let's let's let a couple more games go by here. Then you and I can reconvene like Monday for yeah. a weekend recap. But we will, we, you know, thank you to everyone who has supported Flagrant Howls. This is our first year doing this podcast. Um, Score North 
anything that you can support under the Scornoth umbrella, uh, we appreciate. But we will start doing post-game recaps once the playoffs or the play-in hits. So we will, and Judd will be involved, maybe Declan, but you and I will kind of figure out that uh, that flow. But we will, for people asking, we will definitely be hitting you with post-game, maybe even Ventline. Maybe we bring even, even bring fans into the, the show with us well, at Wolves, times. Yeah, Wolves Wine Line. You can mm-hmm. spell that however you want with like if Pinot Noir or just complaining. W-I-N-E sounds like the right spelling for, yeah. no, I, uh, for what's going to happen for me post game. <laughs> I, I tweeted this out uh, the other day, but uh, it, I, I want to say one more time. Like, it has been so cool to see how fast this has grown. Like I know top 65 basketball podcast doesn't seem like a lot, but when you go look at the list of who else is on there, a lot of longtime pods. So everyone that listens to this and supports this and tweets at us really, really, really appreciate you. And, uh, if you listen on Friday or you listen on Saturday, you never listen, um, go to Target Center tonight. That place is going to be – I know Phil might be making an appearance. Oh, yeah. uh, that place is going to be as electric, if not more electric, than that playing game because not only have the stakes, but it's the Lakers, it's D'Angelo Russell, it's Malik Beasley, it's Jared Vanderbilt, uh, it's LeBron James. So thanks again to everyone, but uh, I can't wait. I'm so nervous. I just, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Let's go. LFG. Uh, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and a subscribe button click and a like button click on the YouTube channel to help spread the word about your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.